Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you don't have this as a guide, what do you believe in? Whatever man tells you. Well, where did he get it? From, listen, the deceiver. And that's why we have all these books that are out today that certainly don't agree with the Word of God. Notice Jesus doesn't say this. Well, if there was a resurrection, he says at verse 30, at the resurrection. In other words, there is a resurrection. All of life is centered around whether or not you believe what the Bible says about Jesus. And if you don't believe that, how can you believe what else it says? Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to be very careful about how they judge the Bible. Why? Because eternity depends on it. Not only eternity, but joy and peace in this life comes from Christ alone, and He's found in the Bible. You can't expect to succeed on this earth and earn salvation without believing the truths of Scripture, beginning with Jesus' death and resurrection. Who do you say that Jesus is today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Two Keys to a Full Life. Well, what did the young man do? The Bible says he walked away, and I think it's very interesting because when he walked away, the Bible says he walked away sad. His money kept him from following Jesus. So riches won't ever bring you satisfaction. Stuff doesn't. And, and when you come to Christ, you don't, you, know, you don't give your wallet, and you give it to him, and now you just go like, okay, I'm on welfare for Jesus or something like that. <laughs> That's not what this story's about. It was the one thing in this young man's life that he wouldn't give up. Well, if God owns everything, and I'm his manager, okay, Balmer, give me the bottom line. You mean I owe God something? Well, let me give you the line before the bottom line. Romans chapter 12, don't have to turn there, says this. I'm to present my whole body to God. I'm just a gift to him. Whatever he wants to use, he's the boss. He's the authority. And I give it willingly, and it's a living sacrifice. So when it comes to the finances in my life, because when you give your money to the IRS, you give cash, you give a check. What do I do to God? Well, certainly he wants more than just money. He wants all of me. He wants all my time, talents, gifts, whatever. But he does speak about his money. And here you find it in Malachi 3. And this is what I believe, people argue with it, you can argue with it, that's fine. Just do what you think is right. I believe I owe God, not like this, I owe the IRS, so I owe God. I don't believe that. 
I believe the biblical of tithing, 10% off the top, is the starting place. So look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which is the church where you're getting fed, so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will, God will, pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So what do I owe God? When I become a Christ follower, I believe 10% off the top minimum starts there. No brainer. It's finished. Done. Over with. I think that's exquisitely clear in the Bible. Jesus just said, give what you owe to the government and give what you owe to God. The government tells us how much. This is the starting place to give. Now, I guarantee it'd be a rarity that there is anybody listening to me that doesn't pay their taxes to the government. If so, you won't be listening to me too long, maybe through our prison ministry, but... <laughs> but what do we find in the church? Well, we find in the church that less than 5 or 6 or 7% of so-called Christ followers tithe. That means more than 90% of the people don't obey God. Well, why doesn't God just put you in the prison? Well, he actually does. Because you're not being blessed like he wants to bless you, except you're clueless about it. Well, I can't trust God with 10% of my money. Stop. It's not your money. It's his. Well, if I try it, I'll go broke. No, you just call God a liar. He says, try it, put me to the test, and I'll bless you beyond your imagination. So, That's all I'm going to say. Don't have time to get there anymore. I just leave it out in front of you. You want to be blessed or don't want to be blessed? Jesus said, I can't take it away from this. Give to the government what the government's owed and give to God what God's owed. That's not my rule. That's God's. Well, look at verse 22, just like you. If you go back to Matthew 22, when these... People heard what Jesus said. He didn't get into a corner. He blew them out of the water. Notice, when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. I've been serving God for a long time. I'm amazed how incredible this book is. You know, there isn't a question that needs to be answered on this world. Yes, we do see through a glass darkly some things we'll never get. In heaven, we'll know. But what I need to know here is here. There isn't anything I need to know about life or death, raising kids, paying taxes, you name it, it's there. And I know exactly what to do with it. So I told you there's two keys. We've already got the first one. Here it is. Write it down today. First key to a full life. The Bible is the only true guide for every area of life. Every area of it. Pastor Mark, you mean finding a, a spouse? Yep. Raising children? Yep. Moving? Can I know the will of God from the Bible? Yes. Absolutely. It's all there. Look at verse 23. It doesn't end. Another group of people, another class of Jewish leaders called the Sadducees come to him. Notice that same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, there's no life after death. They came to him with a question. If you take the Sadducees, which are 
Sadducees and the Jew and the Pharisees work together as kind of the Jewish leadership. The Sadducees are the liberals. They're way off on the other end. They just kind of almost everything goes. What did they believe? How did they rule their life? Well, look at these things. Number one, they accepted only, out of the 39 books in the Old Testament, they took the first five, they threw away the others. Second, they didn't believe in anything supernatural. Of course, then they couldn't believe in angels or they couldn't believe in the spirit world. Third, because of that, they didn't believe that when you died, it's over with. You bought the farm, it's finished. They didn't believe in life after death. And of course, they couldn't believe in the resurrection. And because they didn't believe in life after death, they certainly didn't believe there was a hell or a heaven. Now, I have a question. These are the religious leaders. Where did they come up with these beliefs? See, I opened today with about five questions for you. Where did you come up with your beliefs? Well, where did they come up with? How, how did they go and go, well, we'll take the first five books of the Bible, the rest of them we're not interested in. How in the world did they do that? Well, you're going to see that Jesus uses some interesting words as we go through, and they're going to come up with this ridiculous story that's absolutely impossible. It just is crazy. Let me give you an idea of what they're going to talk about. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, there was something called the Leverite Law. It said this, if a husband died without leaving a male heir, one of the surviving brothers was to marry the widow. The first son of that union was given the name of the dead brother and was considered his child now. This was to prevent extinction of a family line and thereby kept the family inheritance intact. This was the Leverite law. By the time we get to Jesus, that law was no longer even being observed. So they like reach way into the back to something that isn't even happening anymore and they make it way more complicated. Let's begin in verse 24. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. You're going to see how complicated this is going to get. The first one married and died. Since he had no children, he left his first wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. This one wife had seven husbands that died. Verse 7. Finally, the woman died. So what do we have? We have eight dead people, one wife, seven husbands. Now they say to Jesus, look at verse 28. Now at the resurrection, I mean, Dr. Phil couldn't figure this one out. (laughs) At the resurrection, whose wife Will she be of the seven, since they were all married to her? Jesus replied. See, what they were hoping is, they they knew this is impossible. There's no resurrection. You couldn't even figure that thing out. Look at verse 29. Jesus replied, you are, circle this. We'll come back to the word, in error. You're in error because you do not put a little one here. Number one, you don't know the scriptures or... Put a little two in your Bible. Number two, you don't know the power of God. Viera, little two under the power of God. I ask you to circle the word for error. It doesn't mean like, oh, I made a mistake. The word in its original meaning is deception. In other words, you're deceived about the truth. Well, we know where deception comes from. Satan is called the great deceiver. Deceiver. 
So Jesus says, you're dead wrong. I mean, you have no idea what you're even talking about. You're making up this great story or whatever to try to prove there's no resurrection. You're deceived. And you're deceived in two ways. You're ignorant about the scriptures, about the Bible. How do people get ignorant? How do people get deceived about the Bible? You know, if you took that question, a couple of those questions on that first page that I gave you this morning, and you went to the street today, most people you would ask, you would say, what do you believe about paying taxes? Well, I got to pay taxes. And of course, they would probably bring up the loophole deal or whatever, but I got to pay them because I don't want to go to jail. When you said to them, what do you believe about, well, what do you believe about giving money to God? Well, man, you'd hear a million ideas. What about life after death? Oh, you'd hear a million ideas. Why would you hear a million ideas? Because people don't know the word of God. Now, where should people know the word of God? Well, they certainly should know it where? In a church. So what do we have today? Just like the Sadducees, we have liberal theologians that say, I'll take that verse. I like that one. I don't like that one. And that one definitely doesn't apply. Really? Who made you God? Listen, this is either all the word of God or it's none. Because you and I can't pick and choose. This is not a cafeteria. Oh, Pastor Mike, where it says I can't sleep with someone before marriage, that's not modern. No, it's old as the sin of the Old Testament. It's wrong then, it's wrong today. Well, not the way we are. Yes, the way you are. It's no different. So see, we have all these weird ideas, and of course they come from our pulpits, which is a very sad thing. As I've told you many times before, most of our seminaries today, you can't go to a seminary and come out a cross follower. You can't. Because they don't believe in the word of God. If you don't have this as a guide, what do you believe in? Whatever man tells you. Well, where did he get it? From, listen, the deceiver. And that's why we have all these books that are out today that certainly don't agree with the word of God. Notice Jesus doesn't say this. Well, if there was a resurrection, he says at verse 30, at the resurrection. In other words, there is a resurrection. He says there, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they will, follow me now, in heaven they will be angels. People will be angels in heaven. Is that what it says? No, but you hear the world saying that. Pastor Brian, I just can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to be an angel. You're not going to be an angel. You're not an angel now. Notice it says, you will be what? Like an angel. It just simply means that we will be like them in a way that angels don't marry. Now, in heaven, what about marriage? And what about sexuality? Well, we do know this. From the Bible, there is no marriage in heaven. Men will be men. Women will be women. We'll recognize one another. We understand all of that. We'll be like angels in the sense that there's no marriage. Well, if there's no marriage, why not? Well, one of the reasons marriage was given is God said in the Garden of Eden, go and populate the earth. That's how he does it with a man and a woman. And they come together and they populate the earth. That's why homosexuality at its core is sinful. Because two men or two women can't populate the world. So when we get to heaven, everybody that needs to be there, billions of people are there. We're finished. We're done. It's over with. We don't need to populate anymore. Because why? Because there's no more what? Death. 
There's no more sin, there's no more death. So we won't have that. Now that doesn't mean, even though we won't have marriage, it doesn't mean that we'll be sexless. We just don't know. Craig Laurie says it like this. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven, probably because it's so far beyond our comprehension. It'd be like taking a three-year-old baby, propping him up with pillows and saying to him, now I'm going to tell you about Hawaii. Are you ready? Can you imagine taking a little baby and sit him up, okay? And, and you get out this incredible, gorgeous photos of the Hawaiian Islands, and you say to your little three-month-old baby, look, this is the island of Maui. What do you think? You see, the Bible says Paul went to heaven. And when he got back from heaven, here's what Paul said. The most prolific writer of the New Testament. Paul said this. I can't put a thing into words. I have no words to describe what heaven is. And yet today we have all these books on heaven and hell and volumes. So I don't put too much weight in that. Because if Paul can't write one word about it, how can you write 50 pages on it? All I can say this to you is this. Because I know my God. Heaven will be 50 billion times better than you and I could ever think or imagine because it's perfection. And I want to go there, let alone just to be and see my Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Pastor Mark, you didn't answer the question on sex. Enjoy it now. (laughs) And we'll see what happens later. That's good enough, isn't it? Without the arsenic and without the antifreeze. All right, good. Verse 31. But about the resurrection of the dead, to these religious leaders, notice Vieira, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? Do you understand today, if you hadn't come to this church and you've never been coming to church and you just walked in today or you've just been coming a few months, we're really glad to have you. It's terrific. But see, this would have been to you. Have you never read? No, you never did read. And see, you have questions, you have answers about things of life, but you don't know why you believe them. You never even thought of that. When I ask about heaven and hell, you already got your idea made up. But where did it come from? Where did it come from? So Jesus says, where it comes from is here. And that's why this is called a Bible study. Because we study the Bible. So Jesus says, have you not read... Now, he's going to go to one of the first five books of the Bible, which they believed in, and he's going to show them that the resurrection is true. It's found in Exodus 3. You don't need to turn there because we see what it quotes in verse 32. Notice, I am the God of Abraham. This is God speaking to Moses. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What does that mean? This is the time Jesus is speaking. He's quoting. And it says, God said to Moses, right here. God said to Moses, I am the God. I currently am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob died hundreds of years before, way back here. And God's speaking to Moses right here. And he says, I'm the God of these guys. Not I was, not I used to be. What does that mean? These people are what? Still living. I'm the God of Abraham. And by the way, about 1,500, 2,000 years later than this, on a mountain called the Mountain of Transfiguration, Jesus appears and Moses comes down. And Moses was alive. So what does that mean? That means when you die, you are resurrected either to heaven or to hell. There is a resurrection. 
He is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So the second problem is this one. Write it down. They were ignorant not only of the word of God, but of the power of God. You see, if you and I don't believe in the supernatural or the power of God, then we bring God down to our level. And why have a God? I can't do anything, but God can. So the second key to life is simply this. The power of God can change any person or any situation. The two keys to life. The second one, the power of God can change any person or situation. Don't don't just be a believer in the word of God. Believe in the power of God to change your life today, to change my life. See, the reason they didn't believe this, they're thinking, how can, how can a God take a body that goes into the ground or even is cremated and it's just dust? By the way, cremation's fine. All it does is speed up what nature does. It all goes down to dust. Now, what are you going to do with Gus? And these people that don't believe in the supernatural, the Sadducees, for instance, how could God take gust and, uh, dust and make a body out of it? Hello? Where did he start with us? With dust. You're just an old dust bag. That's all I am. And he put us together, and he's going to make a new body that's going to be incredible one day. So it's not a problem for God. Don't, here's the problem we have. People say, well, I believe in the Bible, but I'm not in the supernatural. Well, what Bible do you believe in? I mean, he died on the cross, and three days later, he was rose, hallelujah. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Here's some questions you need to be thinking about today and the answers to these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens when I die? How do I know I will go to heaven? Well, the way you solve that is very simple. You got to know and obey the Bible, God's word. Number two, you have to live by a power that's not yours. It's God's power. Don't ever underestimate the power of God. And number three, you have to enjoy today and forever as a follower of Christ. You see, Jill is a perfect example. When I officiated her funeral, we had a lot of the deaf ministry people and, of course, lots of deaf community that were here. And many of them gave their their lives to Christ. Why? Because they saw visually a person who suffered and died a horrible death but had hope beyond this life. When you die, where will you be? See, Jill, when she passed away, she had already turned her life over to God. And there were things in her life that were sinful, and she had to say, I'm giving that up. Is there one thing this morning in this room that's keeping you from being a follower of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's control. I don't, Pastor Mark, I'm not ready to turn my life over to a God I don't know. Hey, He's incredible. He has a plan for you that far exceeds your plan. The power of God can change any person or situation. Do you believe that today? Today, Pastor Mark taught us that while many have tried to duplicate what God has done or take credit for his works, there's only one who can alter eternity for all of mankind. Does your life or situation seem hopeless? Nothing is impossible with God. He can take you through whatever you're facing and bring you out of it with much more strength. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. God's commandments often seem far from simple, sometimes even impossible. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will define simple and show us how Jesus simplified God's greatest commandment into two words, love God. Love seems so hard. The Lord doesn't promise love to be easy, but he does make it pretty simple. Live with a selfless, other-centered love, and you will be fulfilling God's greatest command. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here